0: Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have comedian and actor Matt Knudsen. This is the first time I've ever had a chance to really sit and talk with Matt. We've been friends on Facebook for a number of years here and could not even remember how we had actually met. Uh, so it was fun to sit down and chat with Matt and kind of kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together to realize uh, where, we, where we think that we had our first encounter, which was at a comedy festival in Utah, as far as we can remember. Uh, but it was such a great time talking with Matt, finding out about his comedy career uh, as well as his acting career. He's been in things from The Kaminsky Method, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The Big Bang Theory, just to name a few, uh, but yeah, it was a great time talking with Matt, uh, sharing sharing stories about comedy, his first time doing stand-up. We start off talking about our love for things like the like the Actors Union, SAG, AFTRA, uh, as well as the Writers Guild, uh, so some kind of some kind of inside baseball <laughs> industry stuff. Uh, but we had a great time talking. So it's it's one of the things I love with doing the podcast is I get a I get the chance to meet a lot of different comedians and actors in passing. But, you know, you never really get to know them. And, you know, you might say hi at an event or things like that. You start following each other on Twitter or on Facebook. uh, And and that's sometimes just where it starts and stops. And, you know, that's not really knowing somebody. And so I was grateful that Matt took the time uh, to come all the way. He lives on the west side of Los Angeles. I'm all the way on the east side. And he he took the time to come on out here um, to be able to sit down and chat with me uh, on this episode. It's a little bit longer of an episode because, you know, we were just having a great time chatting. And, you know, I I don't like to, you know, kind of interrupt the flow of things there, and it was just a lot of fun hearing his stories, talking comedy with him, and, you know, finding out, how, you know, how he how he managed to, to get a role on The Big Bang Theory in the final season, one of the very final episodes, uh, some of his experience on the set of The Kaminsky Method with Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, you know, it's just, it's just so fun hearing so many of these stories, and just the crazy first open mic he ever attended, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of fun to be, just be able to chat and hear, hear how, you know, everybody came Up and to be able to relate to them on so many different levels, and yeah, it was just a great time being able to talk with Matt. So, thank you again uh, for coming out here, Matt. It it was really a great time. Uh, Thank you to everybody that took time to listen to the episode I recorded last week uh, that was just with me. Uh, The feedback that I have gotten on that has been uh, overwhelming, to say the least. I'm so grateful that that resonated with so many of you. And just cannot thank you guys enough for the kind words and some of the opportunities that have kind of come about because of that episode. Uh, You know, I I, I've been talking to people even in other countries that have listened to that episode uh, and and that are you know it 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 touched them. It opened things up for conversation, and you know it's just incredible how just me sitting in my apartment in the dark staring at sound foam, you know managed managed to you know span you know, such a great distance and, and, and reach people. And, you know, like I said on that episode, it's crazy to think that so many people, you know, take the time to listen to what I just consider nonsense that I'm spouting. But, it really meant a lot to hear from so many of you, uh, so thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. And again, there's going to be more of those episodes because I don't I don't want there to be that lull in the podcast anymore. I don't want there to to be that lack of consistency. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just going to continue to churn churn through here. We've got you know a lot of great guests that I've been lining up uh, that, that I, th- I think are going to be a lot of fun. Some comics that you may know, some that you may not know that are that are in the process of working their way up. Some that we've had on the past. Look up and see what they're doing now. They've made great. Str- already in their career. And, you know, it's a lot of fun being able to talk to these people and find out, you know, g- kind, of, kind of what their story is and where, where they're going from there. And, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun, you know, recording. You know, this is episode 164. And like I said, Matt, Matt Knudsen and I have been friends on Facebook and did not know each other really at all. So literally one of the first things that Matt said to me was, where exactly do we cross paths again? How how, how exactly do we know each other? Have we met? And it, it was fun to be able to try and put the pieces of that puzzle together. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, Matt, Matt is so easy to talk to and just so much fun to, to share stories about comedy and just talk comedy with him. And, you know, I hope you guys enjoy this. I'll put a couple of his clips uh, up on the website as well as the links on onthemicpodcast.com so you can go and follow him there. I'll have his very first network stand up. Uh, television debut that was on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Well, we talked about that in the episode. And uh, yeah, I'll have that clip available on the website so you can check that out. I know Matt also recently did a special for Dry Bar Comedy uh, that you can find. Uh, Dry Bar, you know, it, it, it's a lot of people in Utah that I know that, that put that together. You know, my friends Jay Whitaker and Shane Smith have been out on the Dry Bar Comedy Tour. And, uh, you, you know, there, there's a lot of great specials. Billy Anderson, who was on the podcast uh, uh, a couple years ago, uh, that does the Gateway Show uh, here in Los Angeles and tours that show as well. Billy had a special through them um, and I know that Matt has one as well and I'll make sure that we have a link uh, for that so you can check out his his, uh, his special with Dry Bar Comedy. Uh, but yeah, it was again a lot of fun. Thank you again to Matt Knutson for taking the time to drive all the way from Santa Monica uh, here here to the east east side of Hollywood uh, to record with me. It uh, it was a great time and really meant a lot. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stay tuned for next week. Uh, there may be two episodes next week we shall see, <laughs> but there'll definitely be be an episode, no matter what. Again, we're sticking with the consistency. Uh, this is something that we're going to do to move forward and to uh, you know be be more accountable, not have any type of excuses uh, holding us back from where we want to be. Uh, So thank you again, uh, you guys, for taking the time to listen to last week's episode and to give me feedback. Please continue to tweet, message me, uh, any way that you can contact me through social media. I love chatting with you guys. So thank you. Please keep reaching out. Thank you, Matt Knudsen. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week.
1: festival in denver um of you made it weird made it weird yeah it was fun
0: how long ago was that one Mm. i've listened to most of all the back catalog
1: three years four years i don't remember actually i do remember it was 2014 it was five years ago
0: i'll have to go back and listen to that one
1: yeah that was uh really a, a yeah, I remember it was 2014 because I put the like this kind of mini tour together um, where I I drove out to Denver from L.A. and did like... I booked one-nighters and then nights that I didn't have a show, I would camp in a national park. Oh, yeah. So I went like the northern route up, which was like, you know, Utah and Wyoming and then like up Idaho, to, Montana. Yeah, I didn't get to um, Idaho, Montana. Kind of just a little more shallow. Uh, Denver... Um, and then the southern route, like New Mexico, Arizona. It, it's probably Trident.
0: good that you skipped Idaho. though. I've, I've heard one of the <laughs> toughest rooms to do is in Idaho Falls. Really? That it's it's just just utter chaos. Like, they like to mess with the comics. Uh, and, like, I've heard some comics that are just like, I love it. But everything I've heard, I'm like, it doesn't sound like one of those that would be a fun one to have to right, deal with. <laughs> right. Talk <laughs>
1: about hearing a comedian get bored. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> So how we sound, my? So we, we, this is my voice. We we
0: sound great. I have hit record just in Sibilance. case we did. Oh, we did capture we got, we got the we got
1: the the, the gold is already.
0: The, yeah, the, the gold the gold has started to to dribble out. <laughs> oh,
1: and this is a new smart water, so oh. I'm very excited to be Ooh. cracking the seal on that. Most of you the can time, the electrolytes. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really I can really taste the scam. You know, really. Mm. We'll get these and then like just keep refilling them and refilling them until they become like. "Eh." I have three of them in my fridge (laughs) right now. My
0: my wife keeps those, and then like she'll always get like a few just like of the twenty ounce. Sure, and then I'm. I always have like these giant 24 ounce because I'm right. determined to drink a gallon of water right, a day. Right. But I don't want to be one of those weirdos that's walking around with like the giant <laughs> jug. <laughs> or it's all... like I'm clipped on your belt yeah. somehow just like okay, <laughs> alright. yeah. All that jug tells everybody is that you pee a lot. That's, that's right. The, that's all that says to anybody. Like nobody's like that guy's hydrated they're like that guy pisses right. a lot. That guy's trying to beat a drug test. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get you know 32
1: ounces of clean here and yeah. no matter how long it takes. him.
0: But Yeah, I, I started drinking just like, a, I have like three different 24 ounces and then I just cycle through
1: mm-hmm.
0: all day so that way I know when I get to my gallon and, mm-hmm. and I'm good. It's like steps. It's like <laughs> it your is.
1: steps. You just add it all. Yeah, I uh, um, have a SodaStream and I never like bought it. Uh, it was a gift from, well, it was a gift. It was uh, my wife's mom's old SodaStream. They got like a new one.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was never, you know, whatever, but it... Uh, it carbonates regular water, and then you just squeeze a couple of limes in there. You're like, uh, it's just, I drink probably
0: four or five of those <laughs> carbonated <laughs> drinks per day. It's It's great. I love it. So, that doesn't give you an upset stomach with that many of them? No, no, not really. Because
1: it's not like there's, it doesn't like it adding. It's kind any... of
0: a light carb, light, light fizziness well, to it. Well, you can add. Oh, Tim, <laughs> here's the best part, Tim.
1: You can uh, go on. Uh, you can go uh, as bubbly or as light as you want. Oh. It's just, it's the number of like times you press it down. Okay. I'm a three presser, but there are guys a five press, guys a
0: one press, you know, but it's uh, carbonate to taste. Ah. Right. Yeah. I can, I can, I can't do carbonation anymore. The only time. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever said it on here, mm-hmm. is when I fly. Mm-hmm. I don't drink soda at all, mm-hmm. except when I'm flying, I have to have a Coke with my Biscoff. Right. It is. It is the, and I think Safety just, first. I think it's a, psych, a psychological thing, right. because I'm not a nervous flyer, but I think I am a nervous flyer. Right, right. And yeah, that Coke and a Biscoff, right. it's part of the only reason I fly Delta.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see uh, Delta? Uh, I'm going to actively try and avoid Delta Airlines. Okay. They um, put out this aggressive anti-union campaign, really, uh, to try to make sure that none of their uh, workers organize. And what they had done, and like all like their break rooms and all, all these other like flights and these these uh, uh, places where their workers could see it, they have an illustration of a video game system, and they're just like, "Wouldn't you rather have a video game system than pay your union dues?" Come on, it's just like, really, it was the most. Bald face, anti-union, anti-organization move I've ever seen a major corporation try and pull off. It was just like,
0: it well, Delta turned, it was fun while Delta, it lasted.
1: See you later. I was like, what you you like health insurance and a pension? Come on, <laughs> what about Fortnite, right. you idiot? It was a bummer, you know, because yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, they they have like good flights, and you know, doing doing comedy, you like try and yeah,
0: you know, keep it. Uh, and I have my Sky Miles card through them. oh uh, well. you yeah, know. That, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not I'm I did not know about I'm that. Sorry that to that ruin your day. No, uh, that. look up
1: uh, Delta yeah. and uh, anti-union. It was a big like. It trended on Twitter for a while. Well, like, all, all
0: of us here in L.A. are very pro-union. They, yeah, uh, yeah. That's they it. have our backs. L.A. is <laughs> a union town.
1: You know, uh, I mean, as a member of SAG-AFTRA, whenever I get out of this racket, I'll have a pension and a health care for right. life. Because i paid into it, and you're, you know. Yeah. You see people try and tear it down, you're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you a, just have a lot of good, but, you know, some downside. But whatever. I mean,
0: I, w- I was right. I- I've been in the thick of looking for representation as a writer, mm-hmm. right as the whole Writers Guild mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. all that shit hit the fan, and I was just like, all right. But then the more I read into it, I'm like, no, don't continue what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a... Yeah, I, I appreciate this. It's the number one
1: <laughs> thing that the union benefits is collective bargaining. Yeah. Because they'll say like, hey, listen, you don't even know this person, but um, if you hire them and they're with us, it's going to be X amount. And if they've been doing it for a little bit longer, it's this amount, this amount. Uh, so uh, the whatever rates they negotiate, it was it's way better than I would do by myself. Right. I'm like, excuse me, Paramount <laughs> Studios, could you give me just, a, you know, or whatever the job yeah. is um so it really it really makes a big difference and when you're like i think when you're younger you don't think about yeah i just i'll just do this job while i'm you know working up but it's just most people will exploit you if they can oh yeah you
0: know which is yeah i when when i when i first started into entertainment stuff i was on the music side of things cool and i would see with bands that i worked with people that would just immediately bands i'd be managing we'd be getting emails from things Mm -hmm. and I mean, we would have people that would email us just to fuck with us. Mm. Like, it would seem like it was something that was totally legitimate. Right. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, something doesn't smell right about this. Right. And sure enough, we would we would start following the trail and be like, nope, this is somebody just trying to rip us off one way or another. That's right. I'm trying to make a buck. Yeah. E- even, even one of my uh, occasional co-hosts, his first manager out here. Mm-hmm. Something didn't feel right about this time last year. Right. He was on set in Utah, and I called him just after I had, had noticed some things, and I was like, hey, have you ever looked at this? And we started kind of breaking things down. I was like, I don't think she's legit. Right. And sure enough, she was not legit. Ah,
1: uh, scammer, huh? Yeah,
0: and luckily luckily, he jumped when he when he did. But right. it was, uh, How
1: did that, uh, what were the red flags that you saw?
0: Uh, started off with no website. Mm-hmm i started going through imdb and noticed that none of her clients mm-hmm. booked mm-hmm. and uh started looking at some of the terms that she would use mm-hmm. where i was like this just sounds like somebody that you know they She she didn't want him to join sag right away mm-hmm. and then uh i can't think of what like the second tier level thing for sag is it's not quite sag but it's a. I cannot think of what it's called.
1: A uh, must-join? It's
0: not oh. must... Because he already was SAG must-join. It uh-huh. was... There's there like a a tier that's not quite the Union status.
1: Uh-huh.
0: That... FICOR. That's what it's called. Uh. She kept trying to, to get him to join... Uh, to join into FICOR. right? And that's actually not a status of the union. No,
1: you are in the union, but then uh, you get you, like
0: zero of the benefits, and
1: and you basically stab every union mm-hmm. member in the yeah, back. Yeah, it's it's a middle finger yeah. to the union. It's a technicality that you can because they people can claim like, well, I I don't want to pay into their political thing, so I'm just going to abstain from participating in this yeah. way. Oh, and also I can do non-union jobs too. So yeah. they're playing both sides of the fence. And that's where
0: we the she wanted him to try and be going for these day roles when he was booking roles and like mm-hmm. regular films and mm-hmm. and getting recurring roles mm-hmm. and yeah she want, she was trying to send him out for day roles and like mm-hmm. like these group castings and he's like what are you sending me on right and as soon as like i started raising some of those red flags and then he started looking into more it just everything just like fell apart it was wow. it was the flimsiest house of cards that- <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah, i could tell
1: because we were all yeah, yeah auditioning for i went from auditioning the house of cards to being represented yeah. by a house of cards <laughs> yeah you know it's um i i, I say to anyone if you're like anything you have that like antenna or that red flag thing you're right yeah you know what i mean even if you just like you you leave someone or you you, you end the relationship or you, you go forward but if you ignore that like that hunch, that inner gut—you're mm-hmm. probably, you know, you
0: probably regret it. Yeah, I, I, I have learned to trust my gut, even when it comes to just driving around the city. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just have that gut feeling that's mm-hmm. like turn left here, and you're just kind of like, why the hell did I turn left here? That's not the faster out. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just be like, all right, now I'm turning, and the right. next thing I know, a fire engine starts coming down the other way, and I'm that's just true. like. All right, well, I would have been sitting there forever. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've sort of trusted my gut more than ever. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite, uh, 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 like Self Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson, he says, A man must look uh, for that gleam of genius that flashes behind their eyes, <laughs> but they dismiss their own thought because it is his. Uh, in every work of genius, we recognize our own rejected thoughts, they come back to us with a certain alienated majesty. It's just like, I like that. Whoa, a- how as many are you seeing something? I was like- <laughs> you're like, you see something, It's like, I thought that I yeah. didn't do it because oh, I thought it was stupid, and you're like. Hi, remember me? Your yeah. idea? Well, now I'm on HBO and uh you should have worked harder at it and ran yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah Alienated I, Majesty. I'll never
0: forget that. Term. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, as you were saying that, I was literally watching like, parts of my life like, mm-hmm. flash back in my head. Even like, sitting here now, yeah. I was just like,
1: <laughs> I should have a podcast. Damn
0: it, damn Tim! It. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I had a podcast for a number of years. I kind of put it in a sabbatical right now, but it was Grabbing Lunch with Matt Knutson. Yeah. And I would just go, grab lunch with comics at a restaurant that was open and i had a, a zoom h4n with two mics they're very low profile and we just kind of sit yeah. and you know i'll have the toast and you know whatever whatever happened from when we sat down to when they dropped the check that was the podcast because i figured that was the most fun i had hanging out with comics right when you're like at the bar or after a show or you just like you know there's no interviews there's no questions there's just yeah, it's just... it's grabbing lunch.
0: Yeah, that that's how I... When I first started doing the podcast, I tried to have it very structured. Like, here's all these questions. And mm-hmm. and I had no clue what I was doing. And I was producing a radio thing with Chris Hardwick uh, mm-hmm. in Salt Lake and asked him for advice because I already felt like it was going to get in stale. And he was just like, just talk to people. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just have a conversation. And it made it that much easier. Because, yeah, that's... Chris the, Hardwick, that, yeah. That's the best that you can have with people when you're just talking over lunch or just... I just agree. Catching
1: up. I couldn't agree more.
0: Like, there's been plenty of these episodes where somebody's probably gone to listen, and they're like, oh, "I want to learn about this person." And right. They learn nothing, like about right. where they came from. It's just talking about whatever because it's. I agree.
1: I think you really um, demonstrate what kind of person you are by the things you care about. Yeah. Not because you're trying to spit out some kind of biography, like, "Well, I did this and this and this," and you know, <laughs> according to your
0: Wikipedia. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be a
1: hero. I just want to be
0: like regular. Yeah. You know. So And and, and as comedians, I mean, everybody's got that bit of self-conscious nature where they don't – you like to talk about yourself, but at the same time, you don't. You Mm want to hide behind that. Uh, Every time I was doing stand-up or anything in comedy, people that had worked with me knew that, like, I didn't necessarily like just dealing with people. Like, I couldn't Mm -hmm. do a customer support job like Mm -hmm. I had done in the past. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you're always around people, though, if you're on stage. And I was like, no, no, no. As a comic – you're kind of talking at them. I mean, we're right. all in it together, right. but you're yeah. talking out them. It's not a participation yes. game. <laughs> I'm I'm holding a bullhorn, not an ear trumpet. Yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> not It's
1: yeah. I'm not listening as much as you know. But also, I think even when you are talking with someone, you do have that control in the sense of like, hey, mm-hmm. where you know, if you hold the mic to them and then you pull back, yeah. you don't have to stay in a certain section. You're like, okay, uh, this moment's over, and we're moving on to something else. Yeah. So. Whatever, like crowd work, you think that is. It's like it, it doesn't. It's not a conversation, like right. you were saying. And, yeah,
0: and yeah. even in like a podcast setting, people have heard the same questions over and over and over. And I mean, yeah. every time I've been on a red carpet, and I watch, you know, these bigger celebrities going down and getting interviewed, and I'll listen to, you know. Extra or Access Hollywood, or whoever's there, all of them will ask the exact same mm-hmm, question, mm-hmm. and it's almost it's almost comical to hear them give like the same robotic response. Yeah. It's just like that publicist has just been sitting behind them going, "This That's is right. the answer. This is the answer." This, yeah. and it's like it's not in genuine. in politics.
1: They call it a stump speech. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, late night, uh, they call it panel. Yeah, they get the pre-interview questions. They're just like, "You just got a dog, right?" Oh yeah, I got a dog. Yeah. Talk, talk about your dog. Uh, at some point, Jimmy will look down at the card and say, and say.
0: You got a dog, huh? And then that's when you talk about the dog. Yeah, and depending on which Jimmy, it'll just say, and then laugh really (laughs) loud right here.
1: (laughs) That's when Jay will say, well, that's a a dog. (laughs) So true. uh, uh, My favorite ones are the ones when you can tell that they're nowhere near... The question. Oh, yeah. And I can always tell, like, when a host is struggling because they're like, yeah, they pick up the card mm. and start to listen. Oh, yeah. yeah. You went to LMU, huh? <laughs> they, you know, so they yeah, can... All of a
0: sudden, the question just comes out of left field. Right.
1: True. And then also, too, I think a lot of times when you see actors and people like that, they um, if they don't have as much experience uh, in front of like an audience or, you know, or, or talking in that way, they can be a little more like, eh, yeah. Because their work is on a set. Their work is, you know, when the cameras are rolling, everyone's very quiet and yeah. very
0: focused. And, you know, so I understand. Yeah, you can always pick out the stage actors, I feel like, because of that, because they're used to having to act to the back of the room. Yeah. And you get the people that, nothing against film and TV actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, both sure. of us have done some TV, and sure. it's like, yeah, I mean, the camera's only 10 feet from you or so. Right. But, yeah, stage, you're acting, you know, 200 feet to the back of the room. And I can always tell when deadwood i think is a great example if mm-hmm. you watch deadwood you can tell by performances who are the theater actors in that oh, yeah. and who are the film and tv yeah and it's like deadwood's a f- fantastic show every performance in there is great right. but there were some where I was like, "Oh, you can just watch Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant just dance circles around some of those scenes, yeah. and it's just my crazy. favorite."
1: Is you see the um, uh, people that do musicals, and it's just like not only are you like acting towards the back of the room, but you're like you're singing as loud as you can about a foot and a half from someone else's face.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have to like pretend it's real. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I-, I go to a lot of musicals and. I'm always amazed by that. I, I couldn't do it as much as I love Broadway. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I think I would start laughing the right. second, so nobody, no matter how many rehearsals, yeah. somebody starts singing into my face and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to lose it. It's, do you remember the last musical you saw? Miss Saigon just Miss a couple Saigon, weeks ago. Miss Saigon, how was it? It was horrible.
1: Really? I left
0: at intermission. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: I bet they don't use you for the pull quote. No. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you put that on the poster? <laughs> I left at intermission, Tim. Well, well. <laughs> Yeah. Um. I had
0: heard bad reviews going in. Right. And like, was it the Pantages? Yeah. I was over at the Pantages and the touring, I've, I've heard nothing but negative about it. Mm-hmm. I will still go uh, to any one of them that's in my season. Mm-hmm. So, like, my brothers, they'll trade out their season, like certain shows. But I'm like, no, even if it's a bad show, I want to go for the experience Mm -hmm. like in this upcoming season like there's already something like yeah that's not going to be a good show but yeah i can't wait yeah (laughs) because if it's going to be a train wreck i'm going to for one understand references that others won't sure and and this like i burst out laughing several times when i should not have been laughing because It just, it just wasn't good. Literally, the first two lines of Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. It starts off. It's this busy street in Vietnam,
1: and I've never seen it. But could I take a guess what the first line is? Go ahead. Well, hello, Miss Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't my that, that,
0: <laughs> right, but close. That might have been better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if it isn't Miss Saigon,
0: right? They're talking yeah. like George M. Yeah. Cohan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I that might have ca- had me more captivated. Mm-hmm. But it. So, I, listened, I listened. <laughs> So there's this busy street in Vietnam. There's everything going through. It's, I will give them credit. Great set design. Right. Incredible set design. Mm-hmm. Busy street. Busy street. And as the street clears, the girl falls down, and this mm-hmm. guy just walks up and goes, "Hey, you need a job?" <laughs> <laughs> That's the opening scene. And my wife and I are both just like. What the hell was that? Right. She falls down. And, you look like you need a job. Right. Here's a job. Yeah, Suck my dick. Yeah. Oh, well, well, while you're down there. That oh, no. pretty much was the next part. That was the job, because huh? I've never seen it, Miss Saigon. Then it goes into this, like, uh, basically strip club hmm. that, like, my wife and I both are just like, this is so, like, it wasn't like, okay, you're in a strip club. It was like, this yeah. is heavily misogynistic. Yeah. And, like, the LA Times review, the Hollywood Reporter's reviews, all of them right. are like, this play does not hold up. Right. Man. Honey, is this terrible? I think it's terrible. Yeah, does that
1: mean I don't like theater? I don't think it does.
0: You can hate <laughs> this. Yeah, both of us were, I mean, we love theater, but that was one that we were just like, right. oh, like, this is no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I wanted to see Les Mis. Oh, it was brilliant. Uh, I heard, but I didn't want to see Les Mis for $115. Yeah. I'd be okay if that didn't happen. I just actually watched it on uh, KCET, the full cast. Oh yeah, uh, at the with, and it was like that was free and it was great. Yeah, so that that's good enough. I, I yeah. have a threshold for theater that I'm you know I'm I'm a gold star guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think the last production I saw live, it wasn't a musical, but it was a long day's journey into night. I have not uh, seen that. Yeah, it was great, but with uh, Alpha Molina and Jane, Jane Kasmerick. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was like uh, some of the writing was a little dated, but uh, they did a great job, and it was at the um, the Amundsen.
0: Okay See, so. I, I had I have not gone to a play there yet, but I'm going to two this next year. <clears throat> hello, hello. Because uh, Burbiglia is bringing his his one man show mm-hmm. uh, there, and I'm not going to miss that. Sure. Have and great. then I see Book of Mormon Burbags. every time it comes through. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, uh, Classic. I I, I have seen that more times, I think, than any play.
1: You should be in it. You should. should. Hey, listen, I think I've got it from here. I
0: I would totally audition just for one of those just kind of background elders. That would be, that would be, I mean, having grown up in Utah, Mm -hmm. it's like, that, that was on my front door, and there's no better place to see that
1: play right. than Utah. Um, and we were trying to figure out where we might have met in the past, and it might have been um, in Utah. Was it Wise Guys? I did the um, Salt Lake City Comedy Carnival. Uh, was it uh, the Golden
0: Spike Fest?
1: No, it was the- or the um, Salt Lake Comedy Festival? Yeah, the Salt Lake Comedy Festival. That could
0: be it that Richie T was put on. Um, Christopher Stevenson? Yeah, Christopher Stevenson, yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. that is probably yeah. Cuz before we started recording we were right. both like where exactly did we meet?
1: That was probably it. if that you were there at the time.
0: It. Yeah, I definitely was there at the time. Mm-hmm. So that is probably it cuz yeah, I would, I would I would would cycle through all of those and mm-hmm. I the only one I ever did any stand up at was at the Golden Spike one, mm-hmm. and even that was just the open mic because right. I was supposed to be at South by Southwest during that, and everything fell through. Yeah. So I was like, eh, I'll show up and jump on the open mic real quick. And sure.
1: Well, I always say like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. As opposed to what's the best that could happen? Not just like in a, with comedy, but just like any scenario, it's a it's a risk reward evaluation. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, and i i I've never been one. A lot of a lot of Starting comics always, you know, get that nerve of when they bomb or anything, and it's never bothered me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think it's because I I enjoyed the experience of if something bombed, right. so it's like I would know why it was funny to me, right? And it would just be that much funnier. It was like, oh, they didn't get it, they were not on board. It still is hilarious not to today. me, but. <laughs> yeah, not today.
1: Yeah, I always am disappointed because I, uh, I feel like if something isn't uh, received, it's because I didn't do a good enough job explaining it. Like if people are like really listening to you and you don't get the reaction you're hoping for, it's kind of on you. Yeah, I see if there's like a lot of noise or people aren't paying attention or there's you know a lot of distraction, but if they're like sitting there giving you their focused attention and there's a disconnect right. from your concept to their comprehension, it's just like you got to take it back to the honeycomb hideout yeah. and uh, <laughs> work on it a little bit. Yeah, you know, you know?
0: There, there, was, there was one bit that I had done a few times uh when i would jump on mics when i would be in new york recording stuff and i would try to jump on as many and it worked out there Mm -hmm. it would not work in utah Mm -hmm. and it would only sometimes work here and it was a bit where i was making fun of hiking Mm -hmm. because everybody in utah really takes their hiking serious and it was making fun of utah hiking versus la hiking right and everybody out here too they don't understand the utah hiking concept so it's like New York could get, oh, yeah, Rocky Mountains and Little Hills. Like, sure. cool, we're on board. Yeah, yeah, Poland Springs. Yeah, yeah. we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Mount
1: Airy just- Lodge. All you have to bring yeah. is your love of everything. We get it. Yeah, go on ahead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would it tanked in Utah. Mm. And I, would th- I was just like, how does this not work? And I was like, oh, it's not. Right. They're like, yeah, why are you shitting on what we do? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, it was, yeah. not, it yeah. was not going over. It's my life, dude. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, I saw you REI. I get it. That's right. <laughs> I named my dog
1: Arches. Okay, all right. I, I didn't mean you, sir. Well, you're legit. You're yeah, uh, yeah. too true. Now, there's a lot of good uh, hikes in LA, too. Yeah. Uh, the one I've never done that I want to is the one that you go behind the Hollywood sign. Yes. Or the Lone Tree one. Those are... Those are good ones, too.
0: I, I used to always do, when, when I would bring people out here with me before I'd moved out here. And how long would, have you lived here? Uh, going on two years. Hey, hey. And then it was kind of four years leading up to that of coming out every uh-huh. few months. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, working it out. Yeah, we're, sure. we're, we're working everything out. Recon! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Where did you go to school? Heartbreak Ridge. <laughs> 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 Just a deep cut. For, yeah, uh, a very deep yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So every, everybody would always want to have just that, that little hike, and mm-hmm. but they also wanted to see the Hollywood sign, and I would take them up Beachwood Canyon there, mm-hmm. and I would do like half of that behind the Hollywood sign mm-hmm. hike, just where you get to that like perfect spot where there's oh, the yeah. Hollywood sign. Oh, yeah. And then everybody would just turn. That's back. right. So yeah, I've done I've done half of that hike. Right, right. And then they want to see celebrities. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah,
0: that. Yeah, and then that one I'm always just like, you're not gonna see them. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. And then I would find my way over to meltdown, and they would all be there, and that's right. We would just be quiet about it and I'd tell tell <laughs> others. <laughs> It, it's one of my favorite things with so many tourists here is mm-hmm. they all hang out on Hollywood Boulevard and think they're going to see a celebrity there. And I'm like, they're not out there shining their stars. Right. They're not. You're not yeah. going to see. That's the last place they want to be. That's
1: not actually Johnny Depp. Yeah. That's a guy dressed as Jack Sparrow. Yeah. There's a difference. There's <laughs> a yeah. Do you remember your first uh, celebrity sighting?
0: Out here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, you think about it. I'll tell you mine. Uh, I we had been in town very a very short uh, period of time, and I was at uh, Cantors on Fairfax. Okay. And somebody had um, like uprooted a newspaper stand and threw it into of traffic on
0: Fairfax. Not so part- uncommon. Not
1: uncommon. It's pretty standard, <laughs> you know. Uh, LA if you stuff. don't see that at least once a week, <laughs>
0: something's wrong.
1: <laughs> so uh, it was blocking traffic, and cars were having to pull like around it and stuff. So I. I just kind of grabbed it and was pulling it back to the sidewalk. And as I'm doing it, I see this pair of shoes and a voice that says like, you know, this city needs more civic minded people like you. And I look up and it was Fred Willard. I was like, (laughs) thank you, Fred Willard. (laughs) There's getting a little long in the back. (laughs) He's one of of my favorites. Yeah. He's so like his improvised spirit and his lightheartedness. It, he never grabbed the microphone. He spread it around and was part of an ensemble. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it was uh, that Christopher Guest stuff. All that stuff
0: is. Yeah, that that I was raised on a lot of that, mm-hmm. and then my parents wondered how comedy became the path I went down. I was right, like, oh, right. Christopher Guest, I'm Thanks, color, lot. Simpsons, like <laughs> SCTV, <laughs> SCTV. SNL, yeah. yeah, it's like that was Mr. Show. That was all getting soaked in here. Kids in the Hall. Yeah, all it way. was a. Uh, yeah, that was it. Just it just took a little while to uh to manifest itself. of this is what you're going to do, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think my first, it, it's weird to think of the first because I had already I would, had been doing Sundance and stuff for years, so mm-hmm. I was used to seeing them there. But once actually, and then I was always at Meltdown too. So I think my first though kind of in the wild mm-hmm. encounter was actually uh, Nolan Gold from uh, Modern Family nice. plays Luke. I was uh-huh. I was in line uh, for a show at UCB Franklin. Mm-hmm and he was on a date. Was he they was going to birds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, was, he was just walking down Franklin with with some girl and then like a few people were like, "Oh, hey." And he's just like, yeah. "How's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> and Just kind of like kept going. Yeah. But I mean, being in the neighborhood I'm in too, you just see him. That I mean, do. literally a street up like I see Paul Rust out walking his kid like Every day, Dax sure. Shepard just lives a few yeah. streets over. They're and, just regular people. Yeah, you just see them out and about. It's mm-hmm. it's not uncommon anymore. Yeah. I, they- I, I saw Kristen Bell, though, leaving their place the other day while I was driving to get coffee. Mm-hmm. And it made me sad because I realized as she was leaving, I was just like, oh, there's Kristen. She's going to film the final episode of The Good Place right now because they mm. were in that final week of taping and uh-huh. it made me so sad to realize I know where she's going. Yeah. And then I was like, I feel kind of creepy, Stockhurst, knowing yeah. where she's going. But <laughs> right. And I know why she's going there, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I felt I felt very sad. That's probably the only time I've actually felt sad. Mm-hmm. Sad. Seeing, I hear seeing, seeing a celebrity in the wild.
1: Yeah, you know where they're off to. Yeah. They're like, oh. did you watch The Good Place? Or are you a fan of the oh, show? Oh, I,
0: I adore the show. I've it, it, huh? I have watched it. I have watched it probably three times Mm. and it was only because when they started the good place the podcast Mm -hmm. there was so much deep diving Mm. and anybody i feel like that wants to crack into the industry and Mm. really wants an inside look at how tv is made Mm -hmm. and how a show gets off the ground and gets to where it is and especially to learn inner workings of Mike Schur's brain mm-hmm. that is a critical podcast to listen to like yeah. it's not just a fan podcast I mean right. Mark Evan Jackson I'm sure you've encountered Mark at some point I Mark yeah he uh I mean he's just such a fantastic moderator aside from also being an actor on the show mm-hmm. and I mean it's cast members it's crew members right. and everybody talking about every step of making that episode that's right and it's just it is such a cool look at how how the sausage is made. And that's right. Yeah, I, I going back through, I was like, oh, that is so cool. Now to see that, yeah. know that's what they did to get here. Yeah. And then they, they even had a great inside joke that during the the last uh, the last season, uh, where when they go into the international hole of pancakes, mm-hmm. and there's this slug around to neck, mm-hmm. and they say, don't touch that. That's a need noggle. <laughs> And just to the average viewer, they're just like, oh, that's a funny word. Right. But Neednoggle's the last name of the uh, VFX der- uh, guy. Right, right. And so they just named one of these creatures that he had that's to make hilarious. after him. Right, that's right. And hilarious. so when they said that, I burst out laughing, and my wife knew. looks at yeah. me, and she's just like, and I was like, that's the name of the guy who literally made that creature. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have just held that from her. She's like, actually,
1: that's the, you know what, never mind. <laughs> now I'm gonna hold on to that. You, you listen to the podcast and you tell me why I'm laughing. Need knuckle. Uh The best man at my wedding was also in the sound department on the Office. Uh, oh, really? He did the whole run of the Office. I knew this oh, wow. A lot of the crew members on that show, and like all the plaques and all the trophies, they were all made out for you know uh, the crew like, yeah. as be- as employee of the month, and you know, and it was all hanging on the set. Oh, that's and cool. All that stuff, yeah. And uh, Greg Daniels had this binder. Where um, he had a picture of everyone. Uh, he had their name and he had uh, what their job was. And his, I think his assistant put it together. And so if he was going to go on set and he wanted to know who, who the people were so that he could actually, oh, hey, Tim, uh, how's, you know, Craft Service going yeah. or whatever, whatever it is, he liked that familiarity and he put work into making it a comfortable place.
0: Yeah, I, I love hearing of, of showrunners or producers that, that take that extra effort to know. Mm-hmm everybody that's on their set because it makes it that much easier of a place to be and it it makes you feel valued and you know everybody when you're watching any show you know they they see the actors and that seems to be kind of where that respect starts and stops when you Mm -hmm. forget that there's you know several hundred people that are Big making tenor. that show possible that are putting in more hours. They're there early, making sure the lighting's set up, making sure that you don't have cords to trip over when you're, you're right. walking through the set.
1: You're right. And usually um, it, it's like a kind of a top-down thing.
0: Yeah. So if the, the creators
1: and the stars and all that other people, if they're the nicest people and they're the coolest and they're also like the most the most powerful and have the most money they're cool to everyone you're gonna yeah. be like the guy who's like in transpo that's like a crank ah, you're just like no you're there. there's enough good people where you don't need to be around if you're uh, uh, yeah. you know uh, salt in the, the wound so to speak um, but it is interesting uh, some of the most successful people that I've ever met are just like the nicest one of my goals is to work with Ron Howard I've never oh, yeah. done it I've never even met him but I just hear he's like Hey Tim. Hey, hey real D C. Yeah, nice to meet I, you yeah I've I've heard
0: that about him. So
1: um I don't know. Yeah yeah. for people who are putting negative energy out there and think there's gonna be anything good coming your way. Uh, hmm, probably not. No.
0: <laughs> probably not. No, I I think I think it was uh Conan who had said uh during the last the last episode of the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. His final speech is about how if you work really hard and you're kind, you amazing know. Amazing things good, will happen. Yeah, amazing things will happen. Yeah. And that that stuck with me because I think kind of coming from a mu- like the music side of things, mm-hmm. I was bitter, I was jaded, I was mm-hmm. a little bit angry right. at things, and I realized when I was making that kind of like eh, I think I want to go the film and TV route instead. Yeah. It was all about attitude and perspective. Yeah. And when I uh, when I did Conan, I
1: I had that quote that he had. Uh, I printed it out on this piece of show card and I brought it with me and I was going to ask him to autograph it. I. Changed my mind. I didn't. I didn't want to be weird, but I, it it really made a big impact on me. Yeah. I was just like, eh, no, you know what? I'll, this experience will be my autograph. I yeah. don't need to, you know.
0: I get to be on the I get show. To be, I get to be on the <laughs> show. I don't need to be the guy that's like,
1: I can be a fan in this way and not yeah. in the way that, you know, um, Conan O'Brien yeah. could do much worse.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to really have, like, a good interaction with Conan, and mm-hmm. I finally got to meet him, but not the way I wanted to meet him. Right. And it was just at Comic-Con a few weeks ago. Cool. Where he, come, he usually comes out after the show, and they give away the Conan Funko pops. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I've got my massive collection of Conan Funkos. Why not have him sign and one of these? And a Funko
1: is a bobblehead. Yeah, it's
0: thing? these. I've got some of them behind me. Oh, great. Me. The, 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 these oh, I see things. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Great.
0: Yeah, like so, yeah, like they, they take one of the like comic designs. So, like this year, they had like Pennywise Conan and they make yeah. him into Conan or Woody from oh, Toy Story oh, Conan. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, I was like, eh, I'll go get one. I'll, I'll go get one of these signed by him. Nice. And so, sure enough, he came out and like gave a quick hello to us. And then uh, he and my wife ended up joking where right. my wife made him laugh and everything. And then I was like, see, I was like, because she's, she's always self conscious about it. And I'm like, no, oh, you of can, course. you can do this. Like, you're funny you're you're really good at improv like Mm -hmm. just give it a chance she's like no right i'm like you just made conan o'brien laugh like right Right. that says something (laughs) yeah he uh
1: does this charity tournament golf tournament every year and i played last year and um You know, he had those. He he wasn't there. I think he was like either. It just has his name on (laughs) it. It's his name. And there's like a lot of the producers like Andy Richter was there and, you know, some of the other uh, uh, players and writers and stuff. But um, one of the things that they gave in like the bag was like one of those fun co-heads. I was like, ah, that's fun. And, you know, a a drink and things like that. Um, But the one that I got because I don't I don't collect things in that Mm -hmm. way. So it's like, whatever but i gave it to my wife cuz she has a uh, she works with a, a, a girl who's like a big conan fan and so i was just, hey, just just take this and and after we gave it away she like looked it up and it was like this uh monochrome conan black and oh. white thing and it was like 400 bucks yeah that's the insanely rare one <laughs> yeah. i was like ah, ah you know what yeah. uh, even if it's my, uh, you know, you, you're still going to enjoy it more than me. Yeah. I don't think she went and sold it or anything, but I
0: was just like, eh. yeah, she's a big Conan fan. She wouldn't, she wouldn't sell it. Yeah, that that's the one like they it. they did at Comic Con two years ago. Uh huh. And that one, like, the, you can only get him if you go to shows. And mm-hmm. then he started doing the Team Coco House last year, mm-hmm. which is just his own little stand-up club. Mm-hmm. And they would usually like the first 50 in line would get one.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And they're the hottest item there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mono one, they just would randomly tweet out, we're going to be at this location. Mm-hmm. And they'd have like 100 of them. Wow. And then just like give them out. And then when they were gone, they were
1: gone. That was it, huh?
0: Yeah. So th- th- those ones are, those are the, r- the rarest of the Had rare. I known. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? It's, I, I will never pay crazy markup on those. Cause yeah. It's like, I have my certain shows that I collect them with <laughs> and then... You know, I, right. I, I can't go crazy with it. <laughs>
1: Are you, do you go to Comic Con every year? Is yeah. that kind of your thing?
0: Yeah. And we, we do the podcast live at mm-hmm. Comic Con as well. Cool. So, and, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's become a regular thing. And I mean, I started with Salt Lake Comic Con and then San Diego kind of became our home after, mm-hmm. after a couple years. And, Love it. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been wonderful. But yeah, collecting those, we, uh, it was always like the Conans are the ones that we have to have right. i won't pay markup right. but that mono one is the only one that i'm looking at now and i'm, like, really. I'm going well, to i'll give you markup. this girl's
1: number you can look at her up she has what yeah.
0: i gave her oh, i yeah. i have got my few sitting on ebay at right. this point i i have learned tricks to getting some of those things on ebay right gotcha. i'm just like People, mm-hmm. people like to list things really, really high, and sure. they don't sell for that price. Right. And I'll just sit there and watch them Right. and watch them. I've got mm-hmm. one that I've been watching for about a year, and wow. the price is just about right. to the sweet spot where then I can make an offer even mm-hmm. lower, and I'll, mm-hmm. know I'll get it. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Yeah,
1: I've only been to Comic-Con one time. Um, it was five, six years ago, maybe even a little longer. Uh, a friend of mine, Jeff Lewis, he... Did this series for Stan Lee's uh, World of Heroes. Okay. And so it debuted at Stan's panel at Comic Con. So nice. I got to be like the you know with the lanyard, and yeah. The, you know, and then they screened it there, and um, it was great. Yeah, um, I had a good time. The, to make it an annual event, I know a lot of people do. I, I just, I you know, it's a little it's a little crowded. A little, yeah. 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 A little, uh, but i respect all those artists and all those
0: people doing oh, yeah. it it's just it's amazing it, it, it's almost an art to be able to do comic con and avoid the crowds yeah we have figured it out for the most part cuz cool. my wife does not handle crowds well mm-hmm. she she's mm-hmm. like she's just like i do not want to be around you know 130,000 right. plus people yeah.
1: even in real life i find myself in a, an environment that has a lot of like like noise and activity mm-hmm. and light, it, ge- it gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and I try and fight it. I really try and work on it. I try and expose myself to things I'm not comfortable with all the time because instead of succumbing, you actually are forced to work on it and you know right. advance and push through boundaries. <sighs>
0: But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, Comic-Con when you can't. Com- like, <laughs> yeah, com- Comic-Con's a little... It's a little uh, next level. Yeah, that, that boundary can be there, but there's also going to be 150 people in front of it that That's you right. can't push through. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah it's a well put yeah it's it's definitely it, it, it's a beast right. when i have people that are just like oh yeah i'm going to come out one of these times i'm just like make sure you know what to expect that's right because whatever you think it's going to be it's going to be a lot more than that yeah. like it's and then some it's a lot to take in mm-hmm. it, it's i mean even even after doing it for five years now it's wow a, cool it, it's it still is a lot and you, mm-hmm. i used to uh, the month after comic con i would just take off from doing the podcast or anything mm-hmm. to recoup because it would take so much My bad. prepping and getting re- getting ready even just like trying to book the show sure. and and so afterwards i was always just like i can't i can't for a month <laughs> i just right. had to like take a break yeah so but after self care yeah it, it was all it was all self care but this mm-hmm. year i i was like i eh, kind of took the break beforehand so uh yeah, right. No, I'm just gonna keep powering through. Survive in advance. <laughs> uh, that's what I say all the
1: time. Yeah, that which does not kill you. Yeah, makes you take a break for a month. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, you you mentioned doing Conan. Uh, I I don't think I'd realized how many late night uh, programs you had been mm-hmm. on. And it was mainly because my wife was like, she remembered seeing your Conan set, but mm-hmm. it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. And so we were going back to find it. For whatever reason, we cannot find it on YouTube. Interesting. Um, But we did find your Craig Ferguson set. Craig Ferguson. And I did not realize you'd, you had done Craig's show.
1: Yeah, that was my network television debut. Was it? it was April 2nd, 2007. And um, I say this to like uh, to anybody who thinks like no show matters. I was there, like showcasing for. Uh, remember that show live at Gotham, the yeah. Comedy Central show, and so they like had a showcase for that, and um, and I was on that. And
0: Jeff Dye hosted that, didn't
1: he? I don't remember. I think they they like they, kind of they rotated had their... people okay. through, but um, the bookers were there, and I was like this big opportunity. Like uh, you know, I'm gonna do good, and it went it went great, it went fine, um, but they didn't for whatever reason they didn't pick me to be on the thing. But it just so happened that the booker for uh, the Late Late Show was in the audience too, and a week later I got a, a you know message from them like, hey, um, let's work out some dates. Can you send us a transcript of the set you did? And so I was like, well, y- yeah, 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 I can. <laughs> um, it was actually yeah, April second, two thousand seven. It was my wife's birthday, and um, we went to the studio with her mother-in-law, uh, with her mother, my mother-in-law, who um, is an immigrant from Hungary, had never been to a TV studio in her entire life. And, you know, when she was there, was to see, like, her son-in-law performing. Kali. Yeah. So it was just, like, all this next-level stuff. I'm a big, like, story guy, too. Like, the more details that you can oh, add, yeah, the Oh, yeah, Like, add significant makes moments even, like richer and better yeah. so um and i'll never forget uh, i was like f- very nervous i was feeling like okay all right this is cool yeah I, I, going through the set in your mind and right before i went out um there's like this hall these long hallways that kind of connect all the stages and I, I walked out and i was getting ready to go on the stage and do my set and there's this bank of elevators and out of this uh stage uh, of the tyra bank show Comes Gene Simmons from Kiss oh, wow. and his whole family. They were there to like promote the Family Jewels show yeah. or whatever. So, um, so Gene sitting there, he's got his leather jacket on and like his glasses, and he's just look very. He's being very still and acting
0: really cool. I think that's just the Botox <laughs> that keeps him that still.
1: <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, you're not really that cool. <laughs> you know, you're just you're pretending. You're pretending yeah. that you're cool. You wear uh, face
0: paint, sir. Yeah. I,
1: I, if you're pretending, I can pretend to. Yeah. So seeing him act in that way gave me the confidence to act in that way, too. And, you know, I, I went out. And I, I can. it's one of those things, like, you know how they say, like, as you continue to do comedy, you can't watch other things that you've done. Right. You just go back and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I would just stand there and kind of like tell my jokes. I literally left intentionally left the microphone in the stand. I never took it out. I I, I noticed
0: that choice. Was
1: literally hiding behind the microphone cuz I was so nervous. But I got through it and it went great and um yeah, it seems like yesterday. It yeah. really really does. I feel like the same person basically
0: since I've been 18, you know. <laughs> I think you lock your mindset yeah. in
1: and then you just Play the
0: hand you're dealt. No, I, I think that's absolutely true. yeah, in my, in my brain, I'm still in my early 20s. Yeah. And then sometimes I have to be like, Oh no, you're in your, you're in your, you're in your early to mid 30s now. Right. Like, right. It, it, it's time. It's time to wake up. Yeah. I'm just like, but I can buy toys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you uh, program what you think about, yeah. uh, what you care about, how you feel about uh, relationships, how you feel mm-hmm. about yourself. All these things are, you know, uh, put through the the sifter, and then they're pretty much baked in by the time you're an adult and you're out and yeah. you spend the next 40 50 60 70 years however long
0: you're alive just kind of you know yeah now nav- navigating what's what's been cooked in navigating that's the perfect word yeah yeah. So I, I think it's funny though that you that you mentioned you know you kind of hid behind the microphone. I was really nervous because I I I had noticed that you that you had made that choice to not touch the microphone and just. Yeah. But I think you're one of the few comics that can pull that off. <laughs> Thank you too. Be- <laughs> because the way that your delivery is mm-hmm. and your style, mm-hmm. it plays so well with it. Mm. So e- even can. though you know you were scared and nervous. To to anybody who's never done stand up or right. knows any of those little things, right. to them it's a, per- I mean it still was a perfect set even to me. Yeah, but I loved right. seeing that. I was just like, that's a choice right there. Yeah, that and you he know, didn't touch the microphone. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and the
1: irony is, I never, I've never met Craig Ferguson in my life. Uh, even when we were taping that show, because when he was there, what he would do is it was a five night a week show, mm-hmm. and then he would tape Thursday and Friday night. On Thursday. on Thursday. Yeah. So I guess I was like the Friday night. I don't remember exactly when it was.
0: But um, he. Was he not sitting at the desk when he threw it to you? He was not I sitting at the so desk. I didn't think so because the edit didn't look like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> he was not sitting at
1: the desk and I never saw him at all. But I knew that they were going to be doing that. So, like, after I finished my set, I like. Took my hand and threw it to the desk. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. And they just kind of cut and did like a yeah. this this thing, so it kind of looked like it. But um, I never met him or oh, shook crazy. hands at all. He sent a, a note to my dressing room with like a T-shirt and like a bottle of booze or something, and said thanks, thanks for coming, <laughs> Craig. You know, so it was it was nice. I don't think he was um, intentionally snubbing me or anything. No, but he just be- busy. He was busy. Like in between. Um, the Thursday Friday show, he would have to change his suit to make it look like a different, right? Night. Or sometimes
0: even just change the tie, yeah, or, yeah.
1: So that was the time that they would put the comic out there while he's transitioning into his, yeah. his next thing, but, yeah. Um, which is
0: that's that's gotta be weird too because you've got the crowd already warmed up, they've seen you know the show, yeah, and then they bring him, they bring it somebody in in between that's not the warm up guy, but she's like, You're gonna watch a stand up now, right? Yeah, and then Craig will be right back, like, yeah. That's. I mean, I, I've sat through tapings where they've done that, where they're just like, yeah. "We've got an extra guest that's supposed to be here this day," yeah, and like I'm, I'm such a late night junkie that I, mm-hmm. I go to regular. Regularly, we'll go to Kimmel or to sure. Conan for a taping. Cool. And I've watched both of them right. do that where they're just like, oh, yeah, we have this guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with Conan, it's always paid off lovely.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's how they do um, Colbert now, too. Yeah, they do. They'll have like five or six comics that just do like a half hour chunk and then they'll cut it into, mm-hmm. you know, five or six people. But yeah. it's, the, I think the warm up comic will introduce them and they'll come out and they'll do their thing and then just have. You know, Stephen, hold up whatever the thing and send it over. But it's really uh, a, a lot of uh, room between his desk and where they're performing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have, have you been in the Ed Sullivan Theater?
1: I have not. It, it's, uh, I've been going back and forth yeah. with uh, the woman who does the show, and it's uh, it's on the list. And you know, it's uh, uh, an aspiration to perform there. If I did uh, the Late Show and performed in the Ed Sullivan Theater and I never did stand-up again. I could actually kind of, you know, (laughs) clapping the dust off my hands, and I'd be Costanza after my funny line at the party. I'm out! I'm out! I'm out! I'm out! out. Yeah, I just saw um, Jason Alexander at the Dynasty Typewriter Theater. There was like a a book release thing, and he was a part of that, and he came up and did
0: a little interview thing. He's like a little anomaly. He just kind of moves throughout the city. Yeah. And it's like,
1: the it's the answer to the question what do you do when you can do anything you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you get that Seinfeld, those Seinfeld residuals. That's right. Yeah,
1: but now he's—he uh, was talking about directing a play in like upstate New York, yeah. and he's just like, Meh, you know. And um, Bruce Ferber, who's the guy who wrote the book, was talking to him. He's just like, he's like, I just wanted to share something about you that maybe a lot of people don't know, and it really is a testament to to who you are as a man. He's like, I went over to your house last week, and uh, and I and I saw this pot, and uh, and I said, Jason, that's that's a beautiful pot. He's like, Thank you. I just made it last week. And it's just like <laughs> he's taking get <laughs> a pottery class at like the local junior college yeah. or something because he can,
0: yeah, you know? that's. I, I've always loved hearing him in interviews because yeah you you were like you're George Costanza like mm-hmm. what and yeah he's just out out and about like when when meltdown closed I and I was filming this little mini documentary I made mm-hmm. since we found out uh, nine days before closing we mm-hmm. were closing mm-hmm. and one of the guys I'd worked with there that was one of our uh, showroom managers, uh, told me one of the first shows he ever worked when he was just an intern. Right. Uh, Jason Alexander showed up because his son's uh, improv group was doing a the thing there. Wow. Wow. And he was so s- just starstruck that this is Jason and like had to stamp, like give him the stamp. Yeah. And Jason Alexander like made a joke about the stamp and he right. didn't know how to react because yeah. it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I would imagine being a celebrity, that's part of your job is putting people at ease. Yeah. Because if they're weird around you, uh, that doesn't make you more comfortable. You yeah. know, Mr. Alexander, here's it. It's just like, hey, you feel that your shoulder's going up? Just let them go down. Right. You feel that shortness of breath? Take a full breath. Relax. If you still have shortness of breath, it might be harder It might be hard to <laughs> <laughs> it could be yeah. uh rest in peace uh uh nerd melt theater yeah, yeah. I still routinely do uh howard Kramer's squat melt show oh, yeah yeah which is for for people who don't know uh, after the is that theater... the one where he
0: walks around now it's still... become yeah. a walking tour because... yeah I, I almost did his we went to the last one because they were walking down right here and so I was just like oh it's like I should just go and and follow the yeah. follow the crowd well the
1: <laughs> irony is uh he started doing it after the meltdown theater closed down he started doing it uh, behind the th- behind the yeah. theater and then, like after a while, because we we never had there was never a, a, a microphone or any kind of lighting or any kind of stage or any kind of production elements at all. It's just like people standing in the parking lot. It's like all right, this next person coming up, and they, everyone's kind of standing in a half circle, you know, yeah. horseshoe kind of a thing, and just one one guy talking, but uh, one person talking, but. I guess I wasn't there for this, but the cops came and they broke it up and they, you know, cease and desist kind of thing. So they moved the show to the abandoned parking lot at the Steve Allen Center for Inquiry. Yeah, that's, uh, now, with, that's
0: now just a literally a, a hole in the ground. Yeah, as yeah. of a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, rest in peace,
1: Steve Allen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, that's actually, uh, if you don't know, is the set for Barry. Yeah. It's where they film Barry and the parking lot outside. So then it became a show there. But after that was closed down, then he, he took. It to be like this walking tour which yeah. it's, it still is the last one I did was like on La Cienega over by Largo my set was
0: in front of the trashy lingerie store right there on the corner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> see I didn't realize that they had shot any of Barry there until after the fact I mean living in this neighborhood things are always filming mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and it's like every so like i mean when tarantino was filming all last year you knew what that was because all of a right. sudden you're driving down the street and you're like why is it 1960s all of a sudden right but yeah other, otherwise you're just like why is netflix or why is warner brothers like yeah. taking over this street and <laughs> right
1: yeah i uh was i had a small part in this movie gangster squad yes uh, and i love that movie yeah i thought it. Was, I, th- I liked it too i but Ruben fleischer was the uh, was the director and and it was one of those things where it was, like, downtown, and it was, yeah. like, period. I'd never been... Yeah, 50s a, gangsters. Yeah, uh, a part of, a, like, such a big-budget movie that, like, yeah. every detail was, like, you know, the cars that drove by, the the clothes, the suit, the, the you know, they changed the, the facades on all the buildings. Mm-hmm. were like, oh, my, this is this is legit. Even like the clothes that we went to, we had to go to like Hollywood and Western costume design. Mm -hmm. They didn't make the clothes. They like kept the clothes oh, from wow. like 70 years ago and they're just like try this on like, that's crazy overcoat with like the, the like the fintura. smells musty good it's authentic <laughs> good. It's, 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 I mean it's just real I mean it's working you can you can taste the asbestos yeah yeah but uh ironically enough the woman who's the casting uh, the uh, the costume designer on that uh, her name is Mary and um she's married to another comedian Murray Valeriano who does uh a, a, you know a, a live shows he does a podcast called uh Uh, if I keep making this noise, I'll remember. Uh, I'm just gonna, yeah, I was just going to let you keep Ro- going there.
0: <laughs>
1: it's called Road Stories. Uh, and uh, so she was actually nominated for an Oscar for costume design oh, awesome. uh, this year. And since she was like up in the running, like if if you're in the mix, you they, they move you closer. So yeah. that if you win, it doesn't take as long to walk up. But um, yeah, you, we'd watch the Oscars and you see like Murray. Valeriano sitting in the front row with his wife, and he's wearing like yeah. a tuxedo, but he's a comic. You're like, ah, Whoa, you, you, you're, yeah, you're pretending, you
0: know. Yeah, but his wife
1: was, she, she's super legit, but she was a costume.
0: Th- those things with, especially with the Oscars, it, it, it's funny to see that when you start knowing certain people that are there. I mean, like this year, I, I worked with the entire Oscar Shorts program, so I nice. interviewed and talked on the phone with like every one of the Oscar nominated cool. shorts, pretty much and so then to like hear their name and see everybody like zooming in on them it's yeah. just like i made a dick joke with that person like 3 <laughs> days ago and now they're now they've got on their bow tie that's right they classed it up yeah they 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 classed it up and it's 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 so weird to see that when mm-hmm. you're like i know who you
1: are i know who you are. yeah you're just pretending you're over everywhere we hold on this is smoking mirrors
0: smoking mirrors <laughs> now how long have you have you been doing stand up at this point?
1: Uh I started uh, my first show I ever did was January 20th, 2001. Okay. So eight, 18 and a half years, 18. And, a half. and it was at a, a place here in Los Angeles cuz before I moved to LA I had never been on stage before. I had never taken an acting class. I had never performed in any venue at all, but I thought like, well, I don't have any experience. I should Go to the place where yeah. things are happening, and then you can actually kind of at least, if you're not actively in the scene, you can observe the scene and slowly matriculate. Exactly,
0: in. you figure out how the scene works,
1: figure <laughs> out how it works. Yeah, really well put. Um, but my first show was at um, uh, this place called the Theater of Note, it's actually still there. It's by the Amoeba Records, uh, it's across the street from the Jack in the Box, okay, on uh, uh Hollywood and that's not and Ivar. Loves. It's like Ivar. It's like one yeah. are of those areas. Yeah, it's but, in between Koinga and Ivar there. Yeah, that's so exactly- Local that's, references. <laughs> hey, 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 who likes local references? Uh, but it, it was, um, it was they were doing something. I don't know if they still do this. It was called the 24-hour performance marathon, okay. where they just went from like noon to like noon the next day, and it was nonstop acts all afternoon, wow. all night until the next day. So I was like, well- uh, that poor tech person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was that too, but in my mind, I thought like, I, I don't know if the bar could be any lower. Yeah, do you know to be because you're not gonna like uh, I'm. I just was on the Tonight Show and now I can do your thing. And yeah. I was just like, I, you know, I I reached out to the guy. I think I remember like. Uh, dropping off like a handwritten letter And just letting him know And he, he, he called me later He's like, all right, we'll, we'll get you a spot And at the time um, The the headliners on the show And I still have the flyer uh, Were Tenacious D right, Oh, wow Right before they It was actually either right before Or while they were in the studio Recording their first album They had kind of like, like Jack Black had Jack Black was like a kid actor uh, He's been around for a long time But uh, when they started I guess Orange
0: County Really hadn't even come out yet Had it
1: Yeah, yeah Whatever whatever two thousand one was, but yeah, uh, eighteen years and uh, and that was my first show and I'll never forget it. Uh, I was somewhere around like like two forty five a.m. three a.m. Perfect time. Yeah, and it wasn't just comedy; it was like it was just any type of. It was literally a performance marathon. It's like, hey, have you got a variety act? Come on down, come do it at this thing, and you know. So the person that went before me uh, was this. Teenage, maybe 14, 15-year-old guy who was from uh, Toronto... Who was there uh, playing electric guitar? So I like followed the electric guitar guy, and then I did my set, and then after me, everyone who was in the crowd got up and walked out into the parking lot that was right next door, and some guy like juggled fire. And, <laughs> it was just like, and then we all kind of like went back, and we were still like hanging out. So it's like uh, it was a really memorable way uh, to yeah. start, even more than like a, a coffee shop or a, or an open mic. I just remember like having my index cards. I'm just you know. So um so yeah, I don't know what the uh e- everyone has like a different uh process or how long things mm. take to get to certain times, but from my first time ever performing stand up to uh my network debut was six years. Okay. Which is kinda fast. Yeah, that is that is that is that's pretty kinda fast. Quick, yeah. I hear people it's like ten years, but you know. It's yeah and
0: and some sometimes even longer. <laughs> yeah or sometimes never. you know yeah sometimes or sometimes never it's <laughs> just so
1: great. So anything that ever has come uh, flowed down the river in my direction, I'm deeply grateful for it and also very aware that you know people spend so much time in dissatisfaction like, well, this came, but well, what about this? It's just like, don't. You know, don't take for granted the vine that you're swinging on. Yeah. Thinking another one's going to come along because that's not always the way it works. So yeah, because as soon
0: as you reach for that other vine and it's not there, it's you're a right. long fall to the bottom.
1: You're right. Yeah, it's a, it's a very humbling thing to think that you're going to be whatever you're going to be. You know, I mean, ironically enough, we we were talking about Pete Holmes. Um, he and I were new faces together at Montreal just for laughs. At just for laughs. So when you think about what's available to you, you know, you could have the career of uh, Pete Holmes. Or, you know, one of the guys in our uh, class passed away, Andy Ritchie. Rest in peace, Andy Ritchie. So it's like those are the parameters that exist yeah. with you. Your own show on HBO or, you know, God bless you, you could have brain cancer and, you know, die in your 30s. So yeah. whatever happens to you, die a new, as the, uh, uh, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. as the
0: Jewish people say. Yeah, it's 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 fun to watch people, though, as as their careers grow, especially like even those that I don't know if I can say I've come up with them, but just as like Mm -hmm. I would do stand up with them or something. And now to Mm -hmm. see where they were just slightly ahead of where I was at and to see them now, like getting writing jobs on shows. And it's it's exciting. Like it's never one of those things. I, I quickly dispelled the idea of like ever feeling jealousy or anything like that. And it's just you can, like, you know, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that little bit of you It's going to be like, oh, I wish I had that. Of but course. you have to kind of just push that voice to the side and yeah. just be like, hey, you know, they they busted their ass for that. Like, that's right. It's, it's exciting to see. And then to also be able to be like, wait, I, I can do that. I just have to I just got to keep going. I mean, we're doing the same thing. It's, that's right. It, we're in the same circle. There's no reason that I can't do it too. One of us, one yeah. of us, one of us. Yeah. The sky's the limit. Yeah. You know,
1: you, you could, uh, the best days are always ahead of you, you know. And I, I can remember like times in my life and career where you just like are in these like, like these troughs of peaks and valleys and peaks yeah. and valleys and like you're in a valley. You're like, oh, it's all over. And I can distinctly remember that. And then I like look back over time, which is like, and after i was feeling this way these things happened and they, and then it went down and then these right. things happened it's just like you know
0: yeah see i'm sitting in the valley time. right now right. so it's like i <laughs> i am familiar with the valley yeah we've set up camp yeah it's <laughs> it's all
1: it's all baked in yeah. like we were saying but you know? but
0: there well, i remember sitting in a uh, julia prescott does the it was it was julia. called the nerd melt lecture series uh-huh uh, now uh, i think, think she does it over at the i think it's just called the julia prescott lectures or something like that the jp lecture series uh-huh. she does it over at uh, lyric on hyperion and uh she did one where it was i can't remember what the exact topic of it was now but they talked about those time when you have those lulls when you're that's in right. those valleys that's right and learning just to plan for them and just reminding yourself that those things happen right that's the business that's right and it's all in how you react to them Mm -hmm. and even though i knew that it was hearing that where i was just like yes like i just have to like you hit that valley and it's like all right in the valley like just keep pushing ahead as long as you're not just stuck in the mud in the valley you're right and you don't feel sorry for yourself yeah and you don't feel sorry for yourself like and also i remind myself
1: no one has uh demanded this of me Right. This is something I'm choosing to do online. Exactly. Own. So uh, and also uh, make everyday count when you're not working so that you can actually be an interesting person. Yeah no matter what your job is. You yeah. know what I mean? Some people are like nine to five and they come back and they'll watch TV and then you know hang out on the weekends or whatever. It's just like Yeah, I worked my nine thing. to
0: five and watched Veronica Mars for four yeah. hours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> like go volunteer, go take a class, yeah. go give back, go go outside. Go, you know, go take a karate class. Yeah. No no one's stopping you from executing any of your ideas. Yeah. You know. And unless you like try something, you don't know if it's your cup of tea. Right. And know? don't
0: and don't be afraid to talk to people either. That's I mean, especially here in LA, you cross people, even in your own neighborhood. And people yeah. don't really make eye contact. They all just kind of keep their head down. Yeah. And I was I was out for out for my my evening walk the mm-hmm, other day. Mm-hmm. And I was just walking up Franklin here, I'll head up usually to Griffith Park. Cool. kinda of cut around and what a walk. It is, a, it is a walk, and I always forget how uphill it is. Yeah. <laughs> but as my wife and I have been looking for a new place to move, and uh-huh. then kind of going through the realty porn, where it's just sure. like, oh, look at this oh, house hello. someday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but there's one that's like, it's our dream house. It's like, mm-hmm. someday that'll that'll be ours. And I, I walk past, like there's a random little gate to it on mm-hmm. Franklin. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready to just like walk past, and I was just going to take a funny selfie in front of it and send it to her and be like, just sure. in front of the future house. That's right. And- as I'm walking past, some guy's coming down, so I quickly didn't, I wasn't I'm like, hey, I'm not a weirdo taking a f- picture in front of your gate. Yeah. But I turned around, and I was just like, hey, are you the owner of this house? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I was just like, I just have to tell you, it's a gorgeous house. Like yeah. I see it on Zillow all yeah. the time, and it's like, it's mine and my wife's dream house. And he was walking like down the street to get an Uber, uh-huh. and he walked with me for like five minutes just cool. chatting about the house, and wow. I was just like, just some random dude in the neighborhood. That's that, right. You know, it was cool to chat with them for mm-hmm. a second, and, and it's like, yeah, it was, it was just a weird experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he probably got in the Uber and texted his wife, and was like, some weirdo Somewhere was like waiting by our or. gate. <laughs> <laughs> he and his wife, it's their dream house, and
1: <laughs> that's one of my favorite uh, quotes of all time. It's Vince Lombardi: the man on the top of the mountain was not dropped there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so very very true. Yeah,
1: maybe he was living in this apartment. And they got hiking, and yeah. walking around. He's just like, that's my dream house. And then right. somehow he got himself. It, it's why I to buy like
0: it. living over here too. Is it's like I can see out my front door every day. Well, from where your I sidewalk, you
1: can see the Griffith yeah, Observatory, I can see the Griffith, yeah. which is just, I mean, wow. Rebel Without a Cause. It's like oh, one yeah. of the stars of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you, you get up there too and you've got the, the James Dean bust even sitting there. Wow. So cool. it's uh yeah, it's I I I love that the day that I moved in here and I walked outside and I was like I like that I get to see the observatory.
1: Damn it, Tim, you made it. Every day. You made it, buddy. Tim, it's happening, it's happening. Yeah, I also like, too, that, like you were saying, all this stuff is available to you that can inspire you and yeah. just, like, remind you that you're in the... Uh, yesterday, I bought uh, tickets to Barry Manilow at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, nice. Yeah, we was just like, uh, but he's coming September 6th and 7th? Uh, yes, I'm yeah. going to, you know, am I his number one fan? I can't say that I am, uh, but am <laughs> I gonna? S- if, if I'm gonna, uh, yeah, do I have to like drive extensively and and pay a lot to see him? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. So it was perfect. But yeah, we just went to um, Paul McCartney at Dodger Stadium. I was oh, like, so- uh, I was just sitting there, like I was the guy for like half the concert that was like sitting there with my eyes closed and just like letting the music yeah. wash over me. It was just like the soundtrack of my life being sung to me live by the dude. How and it's crazy like, because it's a uh,
0: three-hour show. It was amazing. And it, not a minute of it sags. No. Was, was it your first time seeing him? Mm-hmm. See, I, I, was, I was very jealous, even though it would have been my third time seeing wow. him had I gone. Yeah. But the last time I saw him, I was in Salt Lake at the Energy Solutions Arena. My parents had bought all of us tickets. Wow. And they got there before we did, and uh-huh. it was just... Uh, my parents and my sister, and somebody from the tour came up and they were just like, uh, "So you, so you, you guys are here for the show, right?" And they're like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Would you like an upgrade?" And at first they thought it was some scalper, sure. and they were like, "No, we're good." And he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "I'm with the show," mm-hmm. and like proved to him that he was with the show, mm-hmm. and gave them uh, three front row tickets. Wow. And so the entire show, my brothers and I, my wife, and yeah. we're all sitting up in the nosebleeds, sure. and my mom's sending us pictures the entire time. We're just like, "Thanks, mom. Let it be." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that happened to us last weekend. We
1: went to Elvis Costello in Irvine, and oh, as we wow, checked yeah. in, uh, the guy, the guy was like, "You want floor seats?" I was like, "Yeah, I do want floor yeah. seats. Yeah, I, that'd be great. Yeah." Thank yeah, you.
0: but the first, the first time I remember seeing him, though. Like Paul comes on stage and my eyes just welled with tears. Of course. And my brother looks at me and he's like, Are you crying? I look at my brother and his eyes are welled with tears. I was like, Yes, so are you. So you (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Shut up, Tim's brother. I have a name. Stop calling me Tim's brother. Shut up. Well, that's actually his name. It's just Tim's brother. Birth certificate and all.
1: And you were born after him. Yeah, that's it's, so it's weird. really
0: weird. The foresight my parents had was crazy. Yeah, I love this city. It has a lot of uh,
1: uh, a lot of moving parts and a lot of challenges, but yeah, you know where else are you gonna go? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm I gonna Cheyenne, Wyoming after this. Okay, all
0: right. all right. So now, now, when did acting come into play for you?
1: For me, I had always done them at the same time. Okay. Um, I when I first moved here, I like was a I I knew I wanted to act. I knew I wanted to be on sets, but I didn't have any experience, and I wasn't a legacy. I didn't know anyone at all, so yeah. I just started doing PA work on uh, uh, student films, uh, low budget, no budget movies. Yeah. And I remember, like, less than a year after I had been here. I was a production assistant on some movie and I knew I wanted to act, but I had never, I didn't have any training at all uh, outside of my like aspiration, Mm. but aspiration isn't really training. It's just wanting to do it. Right. So um, they were shooting the scene and it was like this part and this, the actor like had some like car troubles or he didn't make it or something happened where he, he couldn't be there and it was like a non-union movie. But like one of the producers was like, well, Matt, would you like to do this part? And I was yeah, that'd be great. And I remember, like, they're at some, like, car dealership or something, and, and you had to be the guy that confronted the guy, like, hey, well, you know, yeah. whatever. But I was so nervous, Tim. I was so nervous. I couldn't get my leg to stop shaking. I was, like, <laughs> felt like, you know, kind of, like, not faint, but I was really, like, yeah, you're kind of queasy. Yeah, I I didn't I, I didn't have any training, and I knew I needed training to mm-hmm. get to that next level, even to just kind of like be still and be like believable in a in a in right a conversation. It wasn't even like big dramatic. Like ah! I I knew what I was doing was terrible, so uh, I just started taking classes, started taking improv, started taking. Where, uh, where did you take classes at? Uh, well, I started at the Acme Comedy Theater, which is, okay. uh, is that uh, in on, Santa Monica. Uh, no that's a the, there's a place called Westside Comedy Theater okay, that's yeah. in Santa that Monica. In uh, there's also the Promenade Playhouse uh in Santa Monica too but I, I didn't study there. It was uh, Acme Comedy Theater which is on La Brea but now it's um it's at their original location in North Hollywood, South okay. So I started taking improv with uh, Cynthia Sagetti, rest in peace, Cynthia Sagetti. She just uh, passed away last year. And um, then I also took other classes with uh, uh, Leslie Kahn, comedy class. Sam Christensen, who was a real
0: yeah, um, and a, I recognize real man.
1: mentor and a real mensch for me. Um, and so uh, over time, you just kind of like relax and and there's a there's a sense of, of ease that you can feel where when I first was on set in that capacity, I just felt like such a fraud right? because I, I really didn't belong there. This came my way because some other guy didn't show up and I threw <laughs> right. myself into it. You know, I love saying yes. I love to try, yeah, yes, you know. Yeah. You, n- not a lot of good is going to come from saying no. You occasionally have to. But I was just like, if I if am committed to doing this with my life, I need to be way better than I am right now. Um, so there was a lot of years where I was coming up, you know, still working on the crew. I was a, a boom guy uh, for a lot of years because also um, a challenge that I had was uh, memorizing dialogue. So I got into the sound department and uh, I was the guy with the with a stick uh, that like would, uh, you know, hold the microphone of the actor's heads right, while, right. They're, while they're acting. And it was really beneficial for me because I only, I not only needed to... Um, memorize one actor's lines i had to remember all the lines for all the actors in the scene because you had to have the microphone cued at them when they were talking right so you can remember three four five people's lines and and dialogue and cue so i would sit there and like read the scenes and try and memorize them and even if i didn't know the exact line i could feel like when that cue was coming and when when it was when it was over so i did that um And then also I would take classes during the weekends. I'd perform stand-up at night. Anything I could do to kind of get on stage and get more comfortable and more kind of acquiesced with Mm -hmm. what was with what was around me so that at least you know oh who's this guy who's like holding this light meter in front. Right. Oh that's the gaffer okay he's not you know
0: he's not judging that you're not a yeah, good actor. He, he, frankly he doesn't give a shit that you're there. He just cares about the yeah, skinny the, floor and uh, yeah. Yeah the light's not too hot on you. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I would say um the first acting job that I got um not counting the the uh, uh, that t- awful movie where I, I never even saw the footage of that. I'm sure it's just <laughs> it's not even one of those things where I'm judging myself harshly, and I could go back and say like, you know what, that was pretty good, but it probably was not good, even though I never saw it. Um, it was uh, a show called Citizen Baines, and okay. it was uh, a CBS. It was James Cromwell, and that was 2000. Uh, 2001, two. So, so like, not, four,
0: too like soon, not too soon after you started. started yeah, done. like
1: after like four years of taking classes. And then also too, um, I think that came my way because uh, at the time I had like really long hair and like a scraggly beard. I was just coming off another career. I used to be a, <laughs> a merchant Marine. Oh, so wow. that's how I looked when I was like doing the job. It's not a military yeah. thing. You can like, however you want to look, you're, you're, uh, a civilian, and you could just, you know, so I, I had like long hair and a beard. So the role was this like mailroom flunky <laughs> named Cody, who's like pushing a uh, cart around the office. Yeah. And I had like one line, uh, to M. Beth Davids, who was like his daughter, and um. You know, it was it was based on a look thing, and it, you yeah. know, I, I still auditioned and it and it went fine and everything. But, but... that
0: one line is one Taft Hartley. That's so. right. Yeah, that's right.
1: Actually, I was in the union before I oh. uh, got that job because since I had been working on sets for uh, you know for a number of years, I uh, had a friend that was an assistant director, and mm. when I when I realized, I was like, okay, you know what. I have some training. I'm ready to kind of like get to this next level of you know, because when you're doing non-union things, everyone else you know, doesn't really have a lot of experience, and maybe you're kind of a, a, a fish in that pond. But then when you when you move up, you know, the it's like the the next cut from the NBA or yeah. MLB. It's like the, that's where the, the the you know the big players are. Um, so I didn't go right away, but when I was ready to, I. Um, reached out to a friend of mine who was an assistant director and I was like, hey, can you get me a few, uh, you need to do three uh, union days on a background job. yeah three yeah or um you get taft hartley by getting cast in a role so um i he brought me on and i did three days of extra work on a show uh, a, sh- a show called s club seven which was like a, i think a i teen, remember that teeny yeah popper it was like thing. cw or something yeah like
0: the, the wb network back yeah, in the day. yeah yeah
1: it was like kids and then they were also in a band and they would sing and it was yeah. like this whole thing so like my, this but Ironically enough, the um, the sound mixer and the boom guy, who was actually, it was the same sound crew that then worked on The Office, uh, I was friends with them. And so I spent my time doing extra work, like sitting on their cart and hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> but on my third day, they had this big concert where uh, it was like rain was supposed to fall and it was a big like crowd scene right. and everything. So I was like, on my third day, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to actually go on set. I'm gonna get rained on. I'm just gonna be, you know, I'm gonna pay my dues in this way. Yeah. And then But even when I could
0: join right away, I I, I waited until until you, know, you have something a little bit more stable because those dues can be a little pricey. And you're right. Extra rolls aren't necessarily gonna pay for that. You're right. You're right.
1: They'd pay for maybe a third of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I joined after from doing the uh, Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Oh. That you were like a must join. Yeah. So I remember I was like gonna get like this paycheck and they're like it was a. <laughs> was probably like a third of what it should have been because they took out my union dues right, right away. Yeah.
0: That's a, so so, how how did things kind of transition then to? I, I I know one of the first shows that I recognized you in was Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Crazy Ex Girlfriend, Stone so, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as my wife and I were binging through, a, I, I've met Rachel in passing at like FYC she's just things.
1: Amazing, what a wonderful and, woman. Yeah,
0: she she is she is wonderful. There's no way in hell she ever remembers who I am. But <laughs> yeah, you know, you <laughs> never can tell. Yeah, she she's absolutely wonderful, and uh, I had never fully watched all of the show, and oh. so my wife and I were like, we need to just like. Binge through this is the oh, show's yeah. over now. Oh yeah, and uh, this was just like a few months months ago, and so it's mm-hmm. like I've would seen you on Facebook and stuff, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it, that scene comes up, and I was like, "That's Matt, yeah, Canutes! <laughs> he's yeah. doing it." <laughs> uh,
1: that was, um, you know, I, I I auditioned. There was like two guys. It was me and uh, Jamie Kaler, and the characters were Whitworth and Stonebrow. Yeah, and they were like these two waspy suit guys, and the the uh, the plot point was they retain—they um, they own a country club, and they retain uh, Rachel's legal services because they're in this land dispute right. with a cemetery. And so, you know, uh, I went in and read for uh, for Whitworth, which was the other role— and then they just called like a couple of days later and they're like can you do stone brow and it's just like it was they're so similar and you know so yeah. parallel it's just like the only difference was the words that you said you know yeah. so it was like kind of this uh and
0: super sometimes waspy it's that couple. weird look that they have on their head of which yeah. one do you fit yeah fit and right. it was a
1: real um uh kind of coming-of-age, turning-point thing because I'd known Jamie for a, a long time. And um, when I first started, you know, featuring and getting up where I've had, like, 20 minutes, half mm-hmm. hour, he took me out on the road with him a few times. Oh, wow. So to uh, have the, the headliner, you know, and, and, a, and a good friend for a long time, then you're suddenly on set together and yeah. you're, you know, these uh, contemporaries. And, and he was really happy for me, too. Yeah, he That's was really awesome. happy for me. Yeah. But... um. Most of the time, it's either you're working or you're not working. You know what I mean? Right so my experience has been sometimes, you know, I've been on like longer projects, but, Everything has, like, a shelf life. Like, the crazy ex-girlfriend, I think we were there for, like, four or five days, Mm -hmm. a a week of shooting. Right. And then um, after that was over, I was immediately back to where I was before. No job. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I always say my job is to- Back in the valley. Back in the valley. My job is to read for parts and to audition. That's the job. And then when you get it, that's, like, the bonus, Christmas bonus thing. And- uh, with, you know, with the residual structure and, you know, you do commercials and things like that it has a way of sustaining you a bit when you're when you're not working every day. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of built into the system, too, which is yeah, uh,
0: which is a fun way to get checks. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those ways to look forward when you're in the valley to be like, yeah. all right, this is going to keep me moving forward to that next. Week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my the um
1: on my even on my worst day, uh, my salary is not attached to an uh, hourly amount yeah. you know what i mean it's like hey it's you make 12 bucks an hour and you work 10 hours a day which just like that's 120 bucks uh, it's not it's it's not that yeah you know and i also you drive past a construction site and you see people that are really working hard right you know or that guy holding the you know the the sign of this, in the desert is it you know it's so many people work so much harder than yeah. me. You know, I, I've worked my, with my, my back. My,
0: my hands are nice and soft. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
1: I've used my back to make money before, yeah. and I'm very grateful
0: I don't do it now. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've done it a handful of times myself, and was just like, nope. That's, yeah, uh,
1: I really respect working men. Oh yeah, I really, really do.
0: Every time, I mean, especially around here, yeah, those construction sites. I, I, I watch them as I'm stopped at stoplights, even, and I'm just like, that's couldn't. Right. Couldn't do it. Yeah, that's uh, right. It would be the death of me. Plus, I'm not smart enough to do it. I, 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 I Engineering. See those, yeah, I, I see those guys even just walking along some of the beams, and I'm just like, I'd fall like within within five minutes. They'd be like, "Welcome to the job site," and boom, it's gone. Like you, you fell down. He was he he wasn't even on a beam yet. He was just <laughs> walking on the sidewalk.
1: Okay, he looked we'll keep at the him. beam. <laughs> You're gonna be a rivet man. You make the rivets down here and you send them about- up. Yeah, I'm listening to uh, uh, the biography of Leonardo da Vinci
0: right, oh, yeah. right
1: now. It's just—it's really good. It's uh, written by um, Walter Isaacson, okay. and it's actually uh, being read by. Alfred Molina. Oh. It's a full callback. Yeah. yeah. So um his voice would be wonderful for an audiobook. He's great. And he's also Italian, so he's like has these he's pronouncing the names correctly, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. But um there's this like really famous letter that uh, Da Vinci wrote to uh the Emperor of Milan at the time. He had been with uh uh, Verrocchio he like went into Verrocchio's studio and was like an apprentice but then as he, he was 30 years old he was gonna go out and like make a name for himself so he was a Florence guy but he's like I'm gonna go out to Milan and really you know st- stake my claim so he wrote this letter to um to the, the ruler of Milan and it was like this big 12 paragraph thing and he's he's a Applying for a job, basically, he's pitching his services of what he could do for this emperor. If he just like, yeah, bring me up and put you know, put me on commission. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, I'm an architect. I'm an engineer. I can design cities. I can build weapons. I'm good with an abacus. I'm, you know, he's doing all of these things. And famously, in like the 11th paragraph of this giant letter, he says, "And I can also paint." <laughs> <laughs> That's when he gets to paint. Yeah. You know, the Last Supper, Mona Lisa. All these Renaissance man, and you're, you know, what can you do? Well, I can fall on <laughs> a construction site. Like, Is that helpful at all? Yeah. Or even like me, it's like, well, I can remember words, and then when someone yells action, uh, I'll say them.
0: Yeah. What, what do you think?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. It's I like- also realize uh, how little value actors add in that in that yeah. way, and you know, we were talking about like uh, having a full life outside of it, if. Your acting is the thing that really fulfills you. It's like, oh, buddy. Yeah, there's got to be balance. Balance is, is what I Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Crazy Ex Girlfriend was awesome. Uh, and I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Been lucky to be in different things. And maybe people, hey, were you in this? And I was like, yeah, I was in that. But, you know, yeah. it's not that star. It's the, I, I know that guy.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I've I've seen your face. I, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're that guy. You're that guy. The blue
1: collar, <laughs> yeah. uh, lunch pail guy, which is which is a great great place to be. As yeah. yet, I've, I haven't been cursed with celebrity.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but in, in in that same regard, uh, and as we kind of wrap up here, I I mean, I have to ask. You were in one of the final episodes of The Big Bang Theory. That's true. I mean, small role. Small role on the set line nonetheless on the set line nonetheless it, and i remember uh oh i'm sorry go ahead i, I should say what was that experience like being in the fi- <sighs> what, what was it, the second to last episode that you were in third to last i know it I was, one one was one of the very one of the very final
1: ones. it was the, it was the the episode well where uh kunal nayar uh he um was array had that um arranged marriage mm-hmm. and so he's on a date with his wife and i was just the waiter. yeah you're the waiter i was the waiter who like kind of came and like hey you know and my agent calls me and he's just like he's like well they want to see you for the waiter he's like um because normally what we what we try and do with uh, the uh, matt knutson uh business paradigm i don't really like to try and do roles that are the name of the thing you right, know what i mean right. like uh cop number two you yeah. know it's just like i'm that's okay. I mean, that's there's there's plenty of people out there that, that they want to do cop number two, um, but he's like it's 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 a waiter. Uh, it's one line, um, but they want to they want you to do it. He's like, so we have this we have the three things that are the criteria for a job. Uh, it's a good piece of tape, um, it's a good credit, or it's good money. Right. And um, it wasn't a good piece of tape, but it had the other two things. Yeah. And so he's just like. Yeah, 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 and um, Valco Miller, who cast that show, also they've uh, they they cast me in uh, Malcolm in the Middle, uh, the Kaminsky Method, like all these other things. So if you another Chuck Lorre, the Chuck Lorre, yeah. So um, I was actually. I was on the set of the Kaminsky Method, and this is—I'll I'll try and make this the short version. So I'm sitting there, uh, and I had talk, was talking to uh, uh, Lisa Edelstein, uh, Cuddy from House. Yeah, she was in the show too, and I was telling her how much um, my wife's family in Hungary loves the big bang theory like it's the way that they're that they connect as human beings it's the way that they're funny with each other mm-hmm. like when they're hanging out the way that they share a laugh is by like quoting a line yeah a from bazinga or a bazinga. <laughs> <laughs> you know so they like they just think it's the it's the greatest thing ever. yeah and um my wife's mother maria the one who came to the late late yeah. show um Every time she heard, like, that I had booked a job or I was working on something, she was very happy for me. But she saw everything that I did as a stepping stone to one day being on the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and all my Hungarian cousins in Budapest and Bodike and, like, the surrounding areas, they only want to talk about, like, when am I going to be on the Big Bang right. Theory? How is this going to work? So I was, like, kind of, like, laughing with uh, Lisa Edelstein about it. And, you know, so in the Big Bang Theory. So I told her about it. And... um. So I'm sitting there and it's like cast chairs and it's a uh, uh, it was Lisa, it was uh, uh, Michael Douglas and it was Alan Arkin and me. and we're just kind of like sitting there. and it's if you ever there was a time to know your role you I right. was just like, I'm gonna be <laughs> sitting here quietly and then if anyone needs me, I'll go to work, you know so, <laughs> so um Chuck Lorre came up and uh, and Lisa was talking to him and she she's like, Oh, Big Bang Theory—it's almost all over, and you know, it's, what what an incredible run! And I wasn't gonna like jump, you know, jump yeah. in like, "Hey, good job, Chuck." Um, but she said, <laughs> "Here's she, my headshot. my, my head You'll shot. find my resume on the back there." Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So, um, so she, um, she's like, "Yeah, Chuck, this is Matt. He was just telling about how uh his fa- family in Hungary loves The Big Bang Theory," and, and so like that got him talking to me about it, and. I think he just remembered me from that story and from that connection because they just like it was probably three weeks later. Oh, cool. I got a call from my agent. They're like, Wanna do Big Bang Theory. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> so I was really grateful to be a part of it right before it ended. Uh, it was a small part in a big show, but, you know. You can't everyone, pass those opportunities. Everyone up. was so so nice, even though like it was such a nothing thing. Yeah, and also, um, you think like uh, uh, when you're there that there's this like big thing, and you're on every set, and you're on everything. It's just like they built this little set on the side. Yeah, you're still a live you know studio audience taping and everything, but it wasn't like the big uh, living room right. set or the lab or any of these other standing sets. It was um, one of the Big Bang had a lot of rolling sets and little yeah million percent yeah so it was just like a little side rolling set but without fail, 100% of the cast made a point during the week. Because I was, like, there for a week. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, they, like, bought me for a week, even for, like, a, s- a small part like that. Yeah. Because um, it's not just, like, the taping. Then there's, like, it's the, the rehearsal, the rehearsal the rehearsals, yeah. all this other stuff that they'll, like, put you on hold for. Because so they, they like...
0: would tape on a Friday, right? Wasn't it? Because <sighs> it's question. a live studio
1: audience. I don't remember. It's, like, one of those, like, later in the week, like, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday shows. Yeah. So, um... But they would just, they, they put me on a contract for a week so that I didn't um, take another job. Right. So that they could, like, have you at their disposal. I think, like, two out of the five days, I didn't even go in. But they're like, hey, just, you're, you're on hold. Yeah, okay. Oh, my, <laughs> I'm on hold. Yeah, okay, whatever you yeah. say. Um, but at some point uh, throughout the course of the week, everyone, hey, hi, I'm, you know, Jim, I'm Kelly, whatever. Yeah. Was, made it a point to be very, very nice. And I think that's... Come like we were talking about earlier. The full call yeah, it comes from the top. Comes from the top. Yeah, it comes from the top. Everyone was aware of how lucky they were to be a part of it, myself included. And uh, my favorite takeaway from that is uh, a half an hour before, like the the entire studio uh, audience loads in, and they have a, a hair and makeup um, room on the stage. And what they had done for all like eleven or twelve years or however long it was half hour before they go to their places and start the taping, everyone gathers in the hair and makeup room and they do a speed mm-hmm. run Yeah, of I've heard script. about this, yeah. So they're just, I'm sitting there watching like all these characters. Just and they go fast from what as, I've you say, you say as fast as you can. You say, get the lines out just to make sure that you have them, make sure that they're off the top of your head, make sure that you're not trying to think. Because yeah. if you could say them that fast, when the time comes, you can say them however fast right. you want. But I'm just like sitting there like, <laughs> you know watching these kind of icons of television waiting to get to my little waiter you know yeah part but it was really cool and i was really grateful and now when i uh will see uh like a rerun flipping through i'll like ah I'll stay us watch for a little bit yeah you know because you feel more connected and you like them
0: yeah and and it, it's cool too for i mean a little inside baseball i mean being on the Kaminsky method their stage is just a stone's throw from the big bang stage that's right Warner so, Brothers. so i mean as you're as you're kind of putting that out there that yeah i mean it, it, it floated within the ethers it's it's not it's not you're too right. far away from that stage even, yeah you're so. right
1: and that Kaminsky method thing that i mean if ever there was like a, a hollywood story like you yeah. never know what's going to happen uh i went in and i i read for this part i think it was like like 12 1, two o'clock uh on my way home, I got a call, all right, you're you're going in tomorrow at seven o'clock. Oh wow. So the next morning I'm on set and it's like Michael Douglas.
0: Right. right. And did you do two hey. episodes of just Kaminsky? Did, just, just did the one? the
1: one. Just did the one. But uh it was with it was with those guys and you're just like, Hollywood baby. <laughs> yeah. And that
0: that show is fantastic. I I, love I, it. I absolutely love the Kaminsky yeah. method.
1: Alan Arkin is you know and also too he's got a real improv background yeah so i didn't really try and like that's it i don't I don't try to chat people up, especially when they're like get chatted up all the time. But like we were at the uh, craft service table, and I, we were kind of talking about improv, and Mm -hmm. he was with the Compass Players, which was actually uh,
0: pre pre Second City, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, the Compass Players was like Viola Spolin and like
0: the early days of Fred Willard. Yeah, it was early. Was
1: it early Chicago
0: improv? Yeah, yeah.
1: Before it was like a thing that people even knew we're Gaga over. So we we're kind of like chatting about that a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I was just like, improv. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I know the feeling. And I didn't, I I wasn't even quite in the realm that you were, where you had, yeah. you had regular lines. But when I did my, and it was the same type of thing as, as The Waiter, yeah. where I was a bartender in Mosaic. Mm-hmm. And the biggest reason was I wanted to be on a Soderbergh set. I yeah. wanted to see how that, how that worked. And my the main group I was with, with was Garrett hedlund Sharon Stone, and Paul Rubens. Wow. And <laughs> I I'm just and that was exactly it is. I am the biggest Pee-wee fan. Oh yeah. And so I'm just having to like in between takes as they're resetting just like yeah. keep it cool, Tim, keep it cool. Yeah, and Paul Rubens would make a joke and everybody like, we we had, like, the little, like, olives at the bar. Uh-huh. And he kept making this, oh, they like, little apples and just. <laughs> and I kind of started laughing at one of them, and he kind of, like, smiled. But the rest of them were kind of like, who's this jackass that's just laughing? And I'm just like, All I'm right. sorry. this is, <laughs> And, like, I was trying to just, like. Just yeah. just play, just play it cool.
1: Just play it cool. Well, I think also too, if you're if someone's trying to be funny and yeah. they're like they're they're the thing is how how much does it take to like like laugh yeah. at them and make them feel relaxed and supportive? Yeah,
0: I don't, I don't think they were necessarily annoyed by it. It was just more like was those guys just kind of like honing in on it. Yeah. but like Garrett Garrett Headland was the one that made me feel very welcome in that situation. Yeah, and like he he had said something. That we were in between a take. They were resetting, and he made a joke about Steve Polychronopoulos. Uh-huh. Which is a deep Adam Sandler cut. Oh yeah, and I responded right back, and his eyes just lit up. Like you know that you get it. <laughs> That's right. And it was because like, I listened to the podcast. Yeah. And now I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I did a um, the, like
1: last month, or it was a couple months ago, a commercial for AT and T, and it was a. a just okay is not okay. It was like this guy who was like selling his sports memorabilia stuff. Okay, and but it was all like garbage. So uh, I was like selling it to this younger guy. And what I really like to do when I'm on set is to talk to as many people as I can, yeah. and not to be pushy or anything, or try to be like the you know, my wife calls it Mister Big Pants. Yeah, so, oh Mister Big Pants. Uh, <laughs> it's just to just to relax and feel comfortable around them. Yeah, because when you're on set, that's the only crowd you have. Right. So if you feel like you're performing for friends, or you know a little bit about them, or you, I, I feel more relaxed and I feel more mm-hmm. accessible instead of just like uh, like forty pairs of judging eyes, like yeah, yeah we're gonna go to lunch in two hours, just like they want to really laugh and have yeah. a good time. And I I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's it, just making everybody feel at ease. I I, I remember the, when I still kind of had like a desk job, mm-hmm. and. uh I, w- I was in the running uh, for a, a radio hosting job, and cool. they were auditioning people. Mm-hmm. And one of the nights that I was on, a bunch of people from work were listening, and they were like, "You sound like a whole different person." Yeah. It's like I know I'm happy. <laughs> was that like, tone in your yeah. in my voice is fulfillment. <laughs> but but my wife started noticing it, and when I shot a thing for BuzzFeed last year, mm-hmm. she she had never been on set really, yeah. And she comes in to watch. And she was just like, yeah, you're just, like, loose with all your friends. And Tim's the like, life of the party. I was just like, yeah, I just want everybody to be happy and have fun yeah. and not be that curmudgeon. that's just like, why are we here? Like, right. Let's get this let's thing. Get yeah,
1: you're making something entertaining. Yeah. and Even though it's not live, I think if, like, the, the environment isn't right, that's captured on film, too.
0: Yeah. No, it, it absolutely is. You can see it in an actor's reaction and in their eyes. If something's not right, it's... Mm-hmm. It shows.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can see if there's no chemistry. Yeah. It's just like, you you guys are married? You just met 10 minutes ago.
0: Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't believe it. Not going to lie, it's why I didn't like A Star is Born. (laughs) And everybody talked about their chemistry, and I was just like, he went into a a dive bar and was like, we're going to go on tour. it's just like what? what? Uh, one of
1: my favorite notes I ever got in my career. I was doing a show, and the director was Savage Steve Holland, and he directed uh, Better Off Dead, yeah. One Crazy Summer, like all these things. And I was just like, "Oh, I love Savage." And it was like a, maybe our and we had a good rapport, so it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't biting. But um, he's at the monitor, and I like do a scene. He's like, "Cut!" Uh, I don't believe you. All right, let's just go again. And uh, I don't believe you. And yeah. like, oh, it was the, the least actionable, but also the most actionable yeah. note I could have got there. Oh, okay.
0: Maybe just... Those notes hurt, yeah. but they're they're good. They're so good. Like When I, when I started comedy writing and yeah. I was doing a thing with The Onion, and uh, Scott Dickers, who was one of the founders of The Onion, was the one I was working with, oh. and I was pitching headlines each week. And he did not hold back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would just be like, "This was terrible. This is why." Mm-hmm. And there was nothing better than getting things like, "Yeah, you're you're, you're forcing it. Where's the subtext? What yeah. what what does this even mean?" Eww. And it was just like, I I felt so so often like people were just kind of fluffing things like, "That yeah. was so wonderful. That was." And so to then get somebody that's just like, "No, it's a piece of shit. Why? No, yeah. go, go back to the drawing board." Yeah. I, and yeah, I don't I don't believe it. Like I don't believe it. Those type of notes are so valuable for yeah. for actors and writers. Like. You, you you don't get them enough I honestly don't yeah, think and
1: like anytime someone has something you know it's it's they it, they're being paid for their opinion yeah listen to it absolutely <laughs> do so, you want to dismount with your favorite onion headline
0: i've got mine ready um my favorite i'm, I'm going to butcher it but it's probably the hardest I've ever laughed at an Onion headline. Great. And it was shortly after the stories came out about Mike Pence's <laughs> wife not allowing him to be in the room with other women. Yeah, And it was something along the lines of that Mike Pence was not allowed to eat breakfast with Mrs. Butterworth present. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed so hard on it, I still remember where I was reading it. Yeah. I had just left LAX headed to Anaheim uh-huh. in the back of an Uber, and I started right. laughing so hard and showed it to my wife, and she lost it. Hilarious. But that, that's, that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, hands
1: down for me, um, long-time friendship blossoms into unrequited love. <laughs> Pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. Also, uh, and this is a close runner up, uh, Calhoun, the improv group. It's a just the onion Calhoun, Google that. Yeah. It's just so spot on. But the headline is everyone in improv troop balding. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. Guys ball receding hairline. Yeah. And it's a picture of guys like kind of like choking themselves and like really right. acting up with kind of these sketchy arms and they're all wearing jeans and Chuck Taylors You, you can
0: literally hear all of them going. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: great. Just
0: great. Well, I'll, I'll add one other in. It's uh uh it was along the lines of Wayne LaPierre visits gun after mass shooting. <laughs> Make, make Keep it topical. <laughs> and Not soon enough. Yeah. That's my only note. Not soon enough. It was Super a pleasure, Matt. So thank you yeah, so much. I had for, a great time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we could actually connect outside of just seeing each other's Facebook. And uh, Me too. Yeah, it, it was an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you to uh, to kind of keep up with
1: you? Uh, mattknudsen.com, uh, K-N-U-D-S-E-N, or uh, my podcast, grabbinglunch.com, since I put it on a, on a hiatus. Uh, all, that web address will forward to my regular website awesome. so you can go to grabbinglunch.com and it'll all go to mattknudson.com in Excellent. case you can't spell it it's my name and <laughs> I
0: misspell it all the time So, and where can people find you? so everybody knows where they can find me at, at Tim Drake on Twitter and on the Mikepodcast.com damn right yeah thank you so much Matt Tim Drake we'll see ya.